going to be Bible thumbing. Uh, there were some questions last week that I deferred till tonight because uh, so we can give more time to it. And uh, Mrs. Ogunwale, I'm glad to see you tonight because you raised the question. And I was wondering about addressing the question without your presence, so I'm glad you're here. Amen. Do you want to sit on the front row since? No. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Uh, tonight I want to, to at uh, the end of the time together last Wednesday, uh, we fielded a, a couple of questions, and then of course, uh, the one that I referred to tonight was the issue of forgiveness uh, that was raised. And I didn't, I didn't think I would do any justice to it if I just answered the question and then left everybody hanging and just uh, walk out of the room. So what I want us to do is just go to the scriptures and let us allow the scriptures itself to speak for us, uh, rather than the opinion of one or two. And this is what I'm finding out. In this, in this season, this era of grace, it's not just a theological idea. You, you really need to understand this. Uh, when we talk about uh, the new covenant or the covenant of grace, it's not just some uh, nice rhetoric, something nice coinage of, uh, of, 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 of a phrase, of a word. What I'm finding out, more than anything else, is, is a totally new way of thinking. And every day, I have to catch myself to rethink, to find out a bank, okay, which paradigm are you thinking through now? I, I mean, I, I have to constantly catch myself. And so, it's going to take a while for us to fully come to grip with what grace all entails. It's way beyond the issue of whether you're born again and if you're going to heaven or not going to heaven or if you're eternally secured. I mean, that's just the scratching starting point. But there's a whole lot spectrum of truth that goes with the entire revelation of God's grace to us. Let me just uh, read one passage of scripture from the uh, book of Galatians. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18. Um, Galatians chapter 4. Beginning from verse 4, Galatians 4, 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Okay? Why? Why was it come? Why did it come? Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? Why do we need to be redeemed from another law? That we might receive the adoption of our sons. Okay, that's just one scripture. Let, let, let's, let's, let's look at a couple of them. So, what do we get from what, what I just read? <laughs> did we, what, what, when was Jesus born? Under the law. Under the law. Why did he come? To redeem them that honor the law. And as a result of that redemption, what happens to those that are redeemed? They receive the adoption of sons. Very, very important. It's good to, to break it down like that. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 10. 
Galatians 3.10 For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11 But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Again, Galatians chapter 2 in verse 16. Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that, no, okay, let me, let me start from verse 15. It makes more sense. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. Mm, there's a lot more to Okay, let me just pick up from verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. One more scripture, Romans chapter 10. Well, really not one more scripture. There's going to be more. I'm sorry. <laughs> Romans 10. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, the reason I went through these verses, and there are many more, there is a whole lot more. Second Corinthians chapter 3 is the one that's even more uh, very graphic, where God calls the law ministration of death. And then again in that passage, he calls it the ministration of condemnation. Now, the, in that Second Corinthians chapter 3 uh, passage, the Bible makes a comparison about how the ministry of death or the ministry of condemnation was glorious in Moses' days. And we saw the glory, we saw what happened under the Old Testament. So the Bible is now saying, how much more glorious is the dispensation that we are, we are in now if the law could do what it did under Moses all of that time? And all of this is to encourage you and I to make that transition from living under the law into living under grace or under the new covenant. Now, I said all of that to say this. It's very, very important. If I was to throw out the question tonight, when did the New Testament begin? What will be the answer? Take a shot. After the death of Christ. Resurrection. Anybody else? That's what you believe? Oh, wow. Sarah Rosie. You're on your way to a dollar. No, your husband may get the dollar. <laughs> He's the manager. He's the manager. <laughs> like that. Correct answer. Correct answer. And this is important. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was what ushered in the new covenant era, the new testament proper as we know it. Not Matthew chapter 1, or Mark chapter 1, or Luke chapter 1, or John chapter 1. Yes, John 1 17, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm saying all of this to say, when I'm now reading the scriptures, I have to constantly remind myself when was it said? To whom is it said? 
under what circumstances were he said. Because if you don't understand the context, you're going to come up with the wrong conclusion. Con test. If you miss the con, you miss the test. <laughs> it's important. You've got to get that right. Now, I'm saying all of this because now with this understanding, you can appreciate where, why Jesus said certain things in his earthly ministry. And you need to understand what that ministry was all about. All of that was about to show those self-righteous Pharisees and scribes how much they needed God. Those guys thought they were right. They thought they had it all correct. They were blameless. They, I mean, they, they, they majored on the minor things. And definitely minored on the major things. So Jesus' ministry, for a, a good part of it, was trying to show those guys, you guys really think you know, you know the law? You really think you're keeping the law? How about this? How about that? How about this? How about that? Now, the Bible also tells us that the law is good, it's holy, and it's perfect. We need to understand that. It is in the perfectness of the law that allows me and you to see how guilty we are before God before we become born again. So God needed to do that. If there was no law, there would be no revealing of my shortcomings. The law helped me to show me how wrong I was before God. And of course, God had the solution to give me uh, the, the solution to, 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 uh, to, to, to uh, uh, acquit me, justify me, and to put me on the right path. Now, having said that, how do we get born again? I'm throwing the questions out. <laughs> no, sanctification is what happens after you're born again. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. We got born again by grace through faith. Now, remember all of what I'm saying tonight is to answer the question from last Wednesday. And okay, let, first maybe I should even read the question. May, let me read what she was trying to say. And Mrs. Bosset, correct me if I'm wrong. If my if what I'm saying about what I believe you are saying last Wednesday is correct. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus gives a parable in verses 21 through 35. Um, and basically, the end and short of that story is. A servant was forgiven. Paid, the master paid the debt off of this servant who, who owed the master tremendous amount of money, if you will. He was totally, completely forgiven out of compassion. He now goes and finds somebody who owes him much, much, much less than he had been forgiven. The guy pleaded with him, begged him. He would not listen. The Bible said he grabbed him by the throat and took him, took him to jail. Now, the conclusion of that is, verse 34 and 35, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. In other words, the man who had been totally forgiven, whose debt was written off because he failed to forgive his brother what the brother owed him, the master heard of it and totally made his debt that was already forgiven due again. Activated. So Jesus said, if you and I don't forgive one another in this parable, that what happened to the man 
whose sins was brought back up or whose death was brought back up, that's what's going to happen. Is that correct? Is that, is that the, is that, was that your question last week? Oh, okay. I'm sorry then. I've been answering the wrong question. All nice. Yes, that but was under the law. Yes. And I said, what about forgiveness? Forgive your neighbor 70 times 7. Yes. Is that, what happened to that? Because that was not under grace. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so maybe I took a question a little, a step further there. So you are asking Jesus' command or instruction that we should forgive ourselves 70 times 7. Well, how, does, how does that play out today? Is that, is that question? Okay. All right, so that's number one. And then number two, if I don't follow that instruction, if I don't forgive my brother or my wife 70 times 7, do I forfeit my own forgiveness? Is that a logical question? Yes. So we have two questions then, two, two questions. Okay, let's, let's take the first one. Is the instruction to forgive 70 times 7, not 70 times 80? <laughs> Is that still valid now? Based on what you know so far on grace. Yes. It's, it's just a statement. It's just a statement. Just forgive. I mean, forgive to the, to the extra. To the, forgive to just forgive. Yes. Okay. So whether you multiply it by what number, <laughs> you know, infinity, just forgive. So okay. that statement, the 70 by 70 is, is just... Yes. Figure of speech. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Forget. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I trust you. Just listen. <laughs> you lose count. Okay. All right. I think I, I, I agree. Forgiving, I don't, I don't think, uh, for that first part itself, the instruction to forgive or the encouragement to forgive, I think is valid. Now, but where it gets tricky is the number two question. When I don't do so, what happens? If I don't forgive my brother. Now, let, let me tell you what my position has been in the past. I think full disclosure is good. I've done major meetings Major, I have it. In fact, I need to talk to some room after this uh, message. There are some tips I need to find out now and just, <laughs> and just burn them. <laughs> it's true. I've done major meetings, and I can, I can almost prove it to you from the Old Testament lenses that failure to forgive will cause you to forfeit your salvation. Because that's the implication of what Jesus said here. Because he said very clearly, that if, that if, ah, let's read it again now. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you, that's Greg, Rosie, <laughs> each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. But what I'm saying tonight that that is not applicable under grace. Now, if it's not, let me see your understanding of grace. Why will it not be applicable? Speak to the mic. I said Jesus already took care of that. 
Jesus. For the forgiveness of our sins. He died for the forgiveness. It's good. That's very good. But very, very good. At, on a scale of 1 to 10, you are 7.9. <laughs> You know, you are, you are very, you are very correct. I, I'm just looking for certain things. Yes, for ourselves. Uh, grace is not contingent upon what we do or what we do. Ah, give me two dollar bill. Let me give it to him. I don't know if I can let you carry this message. <laughs> ah. <laughs> this is huge. And the reason, the reason I'm, 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 I'm going in this area, yes, our mindset has to change. Yes, sir. If it doesn't, we will never be fully able to activate grace in our lives. You are right, Mr. Rosie. What you said is correct. But what he said encapsulates everything. My salvation is not based on my works. It's, it's so radical a thinking. Because when I first answered myself, no, it's not possible. I have to destroy five tapes. I'm going to get to you in a minute. But the, what Jesus did, this is your finished work. It's a completely radical message that actually itches us the wrong. It's just as human beings, it's, what do you mean it's finished? It's nothing else left for me to do? No. It's too good to be true. That's where the coinage of good news came from from the beginning. Too good news to be, it's just too good a news. What? What? That needs to sink in. You cannot do another thing about your salvation. The Bible made it clear. The law is done. It's gone. You can choose to live under it, and immediately you do that, the Bible says everything else under the law is, 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 you know, it, it comes to, 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 the, to the table. In other words, you can't fulfill all the law. That's what Jesus did. He fulfilled it all for us. Yeah. This, your salvation, you are right, is by grace through faith, not of works, a gift of, of God so that nobody can boast. I cannot go and boast and say, ah, oh, I forgive my wife. And because of that, this is the word. No. Or I forgive my brother. Or I forgive my husband. You, that, now, don't, hold your question, please. Pierre. The balance of that, however, the reason I said at the beginning that number one question is valid. The instruction to forgive, it is a very important instruction. It is valid. Because if you choose not to forgive, you become sick, stressed out, strive, unhealthy relationships. Nobody wants to hang around you. There are consequences for not doing the godly thing. Huge consequences. Not just, I mean, huge. Who in the heck wants to live a strifeful life? You're coming, everybody sees you coming. Say, ah, get away from him. That man is full of venom, poison. Oh, that woman, for the... No, so it's not worth it for the peace of it. Do it. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the only way we can live in harmony to one another with one another. Remember, my relationship with God is vertical, but my relationship with others is horizontal. And I'm just as responsible for that as I am in my relationship with God. 
Therefore, I have to make sure that my horizontal relationships, even though I'm not under the law, is healthy. Have good, harmonious relationship with people around me, in my house, on my job, in a marketplace. Because if I don't, you won't last long anywhere. And God will still love you. You go to heaven, but you'll be miserable while you're here. It's, I carry grave consequences. I just want to make sure I quickly put that in there before we get too carried away. Yeah. Yes, Pierre. Answer the question because I was going to say so. Where was the personal responsibility? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yes, Pastor Charles. Uh, Anna Rose. I I guess uh, because you look at the the uh, at the end of the day at the end of that story there are two people in jail, right? (laughs) Really? Yeah. There's the one that owed the original debt. Very good. And he owed the debt that he was required to pay. Correct. Now he's. Uh, he wasn't absolved from his uh, responsibility. from his responsibility to pay a debt. Yes. But then the gentleman that was uh, owed the debt. Yes. Um, essentially, ended up in prison as well. So you have two people in prison. Correct. And, and so it's important to understand that I, I don't think Jesus is teaching here that that if you owe a debt <laughs> that you shouldn't pay it. So it's really not about the person that owed the debt, but the the, per, the person that owes the debt but the person that is owed the debt. Because if you don't forgive, then you are in as much of a prison as the person whose neck you're grabbing and holding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rosie, you had... Oh, I just, I just had a comment. Um, because you said um, it's good to forgive. And if you do not forgive, you're going to be miserable here. And because we are saved, by grace through faith. So, does that mean that there's no hell? Oh, there is hell. Beyond and many people will be going earth. to hell. So, who goes to hell? If we are all saved by grace through faith, we all believe. Only those who received it. Yes. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Yes. But all men have not acknowledged accepted, believed, and received the grace. Okay? So unbelievers, as sure as you live, will be going to hell. So if you believe, you are a born-again Christian, you believe, but yes. then you fail to forgive somebody, Yes. you still go to heaven. I, unfortunately, I'm not God. The answer is yes. But remember this. Don't for, see, I think, I think what happens to people where, where we are thinking of heaven, uh, an eternal place. Yes, yes. But you, have, you stay here for the next 20, 40, 50 years. Yes. So, <laughs> so, amen. So, 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 yeah, amen. So what happens to a person like that, you bring hell to the present tense. Yes, sir. The person is living, go and ask David. Yes, sir. This, this great psalmist, this great man of God, who God loves so dearly, ask him about how what happened in his life when he failed to correctly admonish his children. When Amnon, his son, raped his daughter and he did absolutely nothing. How that festered and uh, Absalom, out of that, became so disenfranchised and ran away and came back and David didn't deal with it. And as a result of that, the boy rebelled against the kingdom. Oh, you read the book of Psalms, you know that David went through hell. But in spite of all of that, God says, it's a man after my own heart. 
when we get to heaven, he'll be playing the violin. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but he lived a, he, he went through patches of his life that was hell. Paul the apostle, I mean, God, he, the guy that gave the revelation of grace, when you look at his life in his ministry, he, he, that guy was shipwrecked, was beaten, all kinds of things happened to him. You don't even want to think of those things. Because whatsoever I see, they see the man's worth, you're going to reap that. Yeah, the seed brings the harvest. It's a law that God has thrown into the motion from time immemorial. Every seed will bring forth its own harvest. So, not living, not forgiving is not even an option, really. To anybody that's, that has any, yes, go ahead. And then Ms. Diane, back there. So, basically, um, the statement that Jesus said about his father is true because the consequences, I guess, is the explanation to which he gave that my father will also yes. do to you. Yes. Uh, because when you fail to forgive, then those consequences come upon you. Oh, the consequences are there, and they are grave. It, it, not just consequences, they are grave, Ms. Diane. Grave consequences. I was speaking with someone about this today because those of us that have children know that quite often our children will do things that we don't like, do things that disappoint us, do things that you know, upset us, but yet and still we forgive them. Yes. And that rule needs to be applied to everybody. Yes. I mean, we're all human, so sometimes I might say something that I didn't mean to hurt you, but I might, because of where you are, yes. it might hurt, but we still have to forgive each other. Yes. And it doesn't kick us out of the family. We don't kick our children out of the family when they do it. Yeah. For, for the most part, some do. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, no you're right. I, I get the message. I think Dr. Norfolk has something. You, do you have something? Yeah. Yes. Um, the Jesus himself made a statement in that Matthew 18, um, before the so my heavenly father will also do to you. Yeah. Uh, and that is referring to uh, eternal salvation. That is not touched. But he said something earlier. He said, and his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers yes. to be tortured. And when we don't forgive others, um, we put ourselves in that jail. It's a jail of anger, um, the jail of anxiety, the jail of fear. Uh, anytime you see the person, I mean, your heart is up there because you are not sure what the person is going to do. So there is that jail that we put ourselves, if we don't forgive, um, anger, anxiety, fear, um, um, and all those heavy emotions which, you know, God did not say we should carry. Amen. And in, in Colossians 3, 25, uh, Paul rightly says, he said, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. There is no favoritism. So we suffer the consequences. Absolutely. Yes, we suffer the consequences here on earth, and, um, but we still make heaven, but we live a miserable life, a life of defeat. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> amen. If we don't tow those lines. Amen. Yes, Bosse. In 
Matthew chapter 6, he says, and verse... Speaking of the mic, not the side of it. Thank verse you. 14. Yes. He said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. So it's like, it's not just being miserable. God will not forgive. That's what this says. I, I know that that's what it says. But do you remember what we said at the, earlier at the outset? When was that being said? When was what you just read Matthew chapter six? When was, when was that said? I think it was Simon on the Mount. Huh? Was well, Simon on the Mount? Correct, Simon on the Mount. That's that's true. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to see how to explain it. Yeah. Can anybody help me? I hear what you're saying. That was still under the law, right? Definitely. Try. Yeah, try. Um, Jesus said that uh, he said uh, someone on the mount. Yeah. During this was during the lifetime of Jesus during his ministration. Yes. Or not, and he was saying this to the Pharisees who thought that they were holy, blameless, and um, self-centered, and all the rest of it. So he's saying this to them, and this was. Still under the law. They are still under the law. That if you don't forgive, my father in heaven will not forgive you. But after that, after his death and resurrection, God forgave us all our sins, those who believed in him and received the grace. And we are born again by grace through faith. God forgave all the sins, past, present, and the future. So that one has to. This one uh, we are talking about was during his ministration on that, and he was speaking to the uh, Pharisees, the Jews. Under the old covenant, for sure, what he was saying is accurate, was in force. And that's what I preached back then. In those tapes, I need to go and find now. It's true. Under the law, those things were so. But in the dispensation of grace, God does not hold that against you as far as him forgiving you. But as we've been saying all evening, there are grave consequences in not forgiving and living a life of unforgiveness. You don't even want to think about it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like a poison in the life of a believer. No, not anybody really for that matter. Really. Uh, let me just show you some scriptures and, and then let me just see how you uh, Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 7 now we are talking about salvation now because your, your issue here is that Matthew chapter 6 says God, God will not forgive that person look, look at what Ephesians 1 7 says about me and you being born again in him we are redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so how am I born again? Why am I born again? In him, through his blood. The only thing that saves anybody is the blood of Jesus. It has nothing to do with what you've done. Nothing you do with what you are doing. Nothing to do with what you will do. Only by his blood. Period. One more scripture. Colossians chapter 1. See, there are some things we need to just settle. I mean, once you settle these things, there are everything else. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, 
verse 14. Galatians 1, 14. In whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins has nothing to do with me, you, or Jack. We have redemption through his blood. Anything outside of that is works. We're adding to it. Yep. Now, I, I hear you, and I said, like I told you, I had to, I had to uh, struggle through this in my own mind, and really that's where the challenge is between our ears, our mind, the, the paradigm. Especially, can you imagine you say in a public forum, there are certain things Jesus said, uh, uh, discount them, or, or uh, for lack of better word to say, it does not apply to you. That's, that's almost like heresy. You have to be careful how you say that. There's a million people going to shoot you and say, what, you're going to say, Jesus, I shouldn't take what Jesus, I mean, but he, t- he said to cut your hand off, why don't you cut it off? I ain't seen nobody cut their hands off yet. And it's written in red. He told them to take their eyes out. Nobody who listened to him did it. And definitely the epistles, not one account of anyone in the epistles told us to take our eyes out. So why do we know, why are we disobeying Jesus? Has anybody's eyes here ever offended them? <laughs> you saw a car, said, wow, what is that Tesla? My God, I need to get one like that. Covetousness came through your eyes. You didn't go home and take off your eyes. Or our hands, for that matter. And it was very graphic, very emphatic when he said those things. So I guess what I'm just saying, listen, we need to take what we're hearing and bring them through this prism of the new covenant and grace and and come up with with the answer. So you take everything you know in the scriptures through the filter of the cross. And whatever comes out on the other side is what you do. And, and, and you know what's so funny about what we're talking about tonight? There's one scripture that nails all of it. Absolutely. Romans 13, 8. Oh, no one, nothing. But love to one another. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. So if you apply that, then forgiveness is not even an issue. You know you have to forgive. That's why it says to us, all these 630 commandments, don't think about them, let me just give you one. A new commandment I give unto you. Just one. Instead of trying to master 630, just master one. A new commandment. What is that new commandment? Love to one another. Because why? Love covers everything. The Ten Commandments, all love-based. First four talks about me loving God. The last six talks about how we should love one another. That's it. But it's so radical in our thinking though to say, what? You know, so, but, amen. You know, but there, there's, there's something about, you know, even just thinking about you relationally. Yeah. That I know I transgress, um, maybe I've fallen short of God's uh, 
No, I know I, I've already, I'm already forgiven. Yes. But there's something about making it right with God when you miss the mark. Yes. And in that context, how can I go to God to try and make something right with him when I know that somebody has done me wrong and I'm holding on to that thing? Now, I, I, I'm saying it doesn't, from God's perspective, but there's something that's just hypocritical about it from my own perspective. Understanding the grace that's been extended to me, if I appropriate that grace for myself and refuse to extend that grace to somebody, it just, it just, you, it, it won't sit right. I mean, I just, it just won't sit right with me. Amen. Amen. Bembe. What's going on tonight, my friend? <laughs> okay. You have something? Oh, that's we just go home. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a question. Yeah. Oh, hold on there. Get a mic. I actually have a question about um, a chapter in Revelation. Okay. Uh, chapter, I think it was chapter 12. It might have been um, about the devil in the uh, form of the dragon. I have a question about, like, um, was that really the devil in, like, um, like what? What was the insight? What was the, um, what was the actual thing that you're supposed to depict from that? Uh, the dragon, the woman, and the child. Yes. Okay. Where the dragon was trying to, the lady was, uh, the woman was uh, to have a child, and the yes. dragon was looking to, um, to essentially kill the child. Right? Yes. The dragon there, yeah, I think you are right. It depicts the, the devil. Yeah, and the devil is trying to stop everything God is doing. Uh, it's, it's the one that's, trying, that's working against us to make sure that we do not manifest the sonship of God in the earth. So the book of Revelation is just showing you some of the things that's going to happen in the end times. And the whole book itself is not really about the devil, but about the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory and the power of God that we're going to see in demonstrating who he is to the earth. So did that actually happen, or was that like um, oh, okay. an, exa an example? Well, I, I mean, but you think about the story. Now, when Jesus was born, right, what, what did the Bible say Pharaoh, uh, Herod was trying Try to, to do? Uh, trying to get rid of him. Absolutely. So because of that, his parents took him away. Remember where his parents took him? To Egypt. Yeah, he took him to Egypt and preserved him in Egypt. And every child his age was taken out. So in, in some sense, you could say that, uh, yeah, that happened in the life of Jesus. But And the Bible is also talking about things that are yet to be. So it's all, you need to realize, Revelation uses symbols. Correct. And it uses signs to tell you things that are going to happen. So when it talks about dragon there, it may not be talking about a literal dragon. It just says that the enemy is going to uh, wage war with the people of God. So the, you have the devil on one side and you have the sons of God like you and me. And the, the devil is going to try and uh, 
destroy us. Bless his ministry to heal, to heal, to restore, and to both oppose anything that is God. Yes, sir. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Nothing else? Yes. Were you going to say something, sir? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, scripture in First John uh, one nine that says that if we confess our sins, yes, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And uh, um, we have always used that verse to um, to say that if we sin, then we should go to God and ask for forgiveness. And in fact, uh, during prayers, yeah, I, have, I, have, I have seen, I have heard uh, people that are leading prayer, they say, let's first of all ask God for forgiveness of all the sins that we have committed before coming to church that day. Um, my question is, if God has forgiven us, <laughs> all of us. Stephen, I know for you. Yes, sir. No. You will not get a dollar. forgiven us past, present, and future sins. Do we need to ask him for forgiveness each time that we go to him? Just throwing that What's out. the take? I know the answer, but, but the, the, just again, for the sake of us learning, uh, uh, these are very, very important things. And as a student of the Old Testament, which I, I, I consider myself as one, and I did a very detailed teaching on the Tabernacle of Moses, and I can tell you all the steps and so forth and so on. Uh, I even wrote a book on it. I'm glad it's not on the market. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. There are so many things that challenge that thinking now. In the time that we have left, I'm not sure that this is something we can address fully. Because again, like what we just addressed tonight, if we throw it out without thoroughly explaining it, you get people in all kinds of uh, trouble. Uh, but, but, but what do you guys think? Who, who is John talking to, if, you say, if the answer is no? Um, I think John is talking to the uh, Jewish Christians. Uh, Mr. Ah, I'm really surprised with you because you came from a church background that is law. I mean, you guys are law in the morning, law in the afternoon, law in midnight. How did you make this transition so quickly? No, seriously. Because, because let, let me give you a background. <laughs> in the church, no, don't give me. She, she needs to In the church where she came from, not only is the, the legalism, they are started, these confessions, they've been written for you. You have to do two hours per day to get two units to create. Ah, it's a serious business. <laughs> um, and she was very proficient. Ah. <laughs> this is you not know, for me. This is a personal test. This is amazing to me. I'm hearing mysteries here tonight. <laughs> what? I'm going to send you back to your old pastor and see if we can. How are you going to do that? But go ahead, please. Right. Um, it's written. This uh, letter, epistle, is written to the uh, Jewish Christians uh, at that time. Well, we came after that. Gentiles, it's not for us. It's not for the Gentiles. It's addressed to the Jews. Well, some of them believe, some of them still think. Um, anyway, that's what I can say. We don't have to confess our sins anymore. 
because God has forgiven us. And it's not meant for us Gentiles. Do you know what kind of warm you're opening up by saying that? <laughs> no, I'm asking. I'm just asking. I'm not, I'm not threatening you. I'm just, I'm, I'm just asking. I mean, how can you say that? I mean, there has to be, you, you, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm asking you to help me biblically to understand why that is so. I mean, okay, let me give you an example. You go to the islands, to the Caribbean, Jamaica, or you go to Africa in Nigeria and get on a platform and preach what you just said. Do you know what the consequences can be? You may see Paul that night. <laughs> no, but seriously, how, how did you arrive at that? I just want to know, how, how did you arrive at that, what you just said? Yes, I, I know that you listen to other people, and that's fine. But how did you process that within yourself to say this is the correct conclusion? Because everybody, everybody that's speaking or teaching is not saying the truth. And, not, and I'm not saying that they are, being, that they are deliberately trying to preach error. I mean, we know in part, and we see in part. See, so I'm, I'm just trying to, I just want to understand how, I'm trying to help us to understand how do we process information to arrive at the right conclusion. There are so many things in scriptures that, we, that, that I thought was, was one way, and I'm finding that this is way off. John 15 is one example. If you don't produce fruit, you'll be cut off, and, da, 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 and when you read all, you're casting into the fire, and the thing is totally, it's, it's, it's totally not even near what Jesus was saying, but anyway, go ahead. Paul was the one given the revelation of grace. Yes. Go to the Gentiles. Yes. Even John, Peter, and all those other uh, apostles, yes. they did not accept it in the beginning. Okay. You know, if you read the accounts and like, um, is it the Galatians? We are Paul accused Peter of uh, being hypocrite. Yeah. Because he was eating. When he went to the Gentiles, he was eating with them. Yes. Uh, when some people came from Jerusalem, yes. uh, sent by James, yes. he now uh, he, he backed away a little bit, and this was hypocrisy to Paul. And he, the other disciples, too, the other people, like Barnabas, they too followed. You know, it's all in the scriptures. So Paul. Uh, accused him and faced him and said it to his face that it was a, a, an evil To answer the question. Just anyway, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Um, Paul was the one giving the revelation of grace. Yes. The other apostles uh, we are sent to the Jews. Yeah. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Yeah. And there are so many. There, Let me just get to the chase. Your position is correct. But I will, not, I will not want to say that in a public setting without having the opportunity to explain it. Because, because that opens a whole kind of worm that can cause all kinds of new debates. Uh, people misunderstand what you're saying. They say that you give people license to sin. You can go and have tithing wives. You don't have to confess. It, it just, it just it can create a whole lot of problems. But just, we, may have, we may have to come back next Wednesday and address this. In, in, you know. But just, just to throw this out, 
you can't, you see, the, the biggest problem that we have is when we take scriptures out of context. If you read from verse 1, 1 John 1, you, you see what John is saying. That which was from the beginning, which beginning is he talking about? Is it Genesis 1 1? No. Okay? Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, with which, which we've looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Okay? The life was manifested. We have seen it. Bear witness. Declared to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So he's giving, he's talking from the perspective of how they got to where they are. <laughs> That's how this all is. I mean, when you read from verse 1 on, you can see that there. Now, if you don't see that and understand that, then a bigger problem looms, which is, what happens to the sins I don't even know? The sins of omission that I've offended my brother, I didn't, I didn't even know it. Pardon me? It's in the second chapter. Pardon me? Yes. Just continuing on. Yeah. Addresses that. Yeah. Addresses which, which, what is that? It says that we, if, in, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus yes. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Finish. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but again, I think we should come back next Wednesday to allow our time to air it out and talk it out. But that's good. That's what you're saying is true. It's just, it's a, it's, that's what I said at the beginning. It's a whole mindset renovation. Paradigm shift. But I want to caution you. Don't go out there if you don't understand it and don't throw it out. Don't do it. No, seriously, please. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Don't do it. If, when I was teaching the sons this summer, and even they just came, they just left two, three weeks, uh, last week, two weeks ago, I told them, whatever I'm saying to them, if you don't understand it yet, or don't believe it and have conviction of it, don't say it. Don't go to your pulpit and start saying things you can't explain. Yes. Yes. You get yourself in all kinds of trouble, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So what I'm saying to you is, don't go out there tomorrow and tell somebody about First John one nine, and you can't explain it. <laughs> he said, "The fire you unlocked the doors." <laughs> that's what I was asking you pointedly. Yeah, that's what I was asking. How do you come to this? What do you? I mean, because you have to be able to from the scriptures. And what Diane said is so right on. You have an advocate. He is advocating for you. In fact, Hebrews made it clear, he liveth to do it. That's the superiority of the covenant of grace versus Moses. He's dead. This guy liveth though. They said, Daddy, I pray for that. It's covered. It's covered. It's covered. Now, should that give me a license to go and continue to sin? No. You, if you are truly born again, you are miserable. But not only that, not only that, like Pastor Charles was saying earlier, it affects, God is not running away from you, but you become estranged from him because you bear the, you, 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 the, 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 the uncleanness of whatever it is that you're doing. God didn't run away in the garden. He was the one that came back and said, where, where are you guys hiding? What's, what's going on with you? Though the men ran from God, but God never ran from man. Never. And there's the clear distinction between the old and the new. In the old, 
The priest could not go near anything that's unclean. The unclean made the priest unclean. In the new, in Jesus' life, he went to where the sinners were. To show me and you that sin can stick to him. He takes care of sin. Sin does not defile him. He purifies sin. And that's the same life that you and I have available to us not to live. Now, when I do sin, because since we went there now tonight, I think it's important that we, we, we touch that. When I do sin, I immediately thank God for the provision for that cleansing. Yes. Father, I thank you. I just blew it. I know it was wrong. I thank you that your blood made provision for this. I'm not under any condemnation. I thank you for what you've done. I bless your name that you took care of it. So we are not talking about not acknowledging that you are wrong or that you are out of the way. But we are saying you don't add to what Jesus has already done by begging him to do what he has already done. There's a big difference. I mean, saying, Daddy, no, I blew it again. But I thank you because you are so gracious. Ah, your love. You've covered me again. Yes. My goodness. What, 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 you just keep on doing Thank you. You know what that does? It helps you appreciate him that much more. That's true, so this is not a careless lifestyle of where you're saying you do things that's wrong. You totally completely ignore You hurt people. You wound people. You offend people. You just keep on moving along the road and just thinking because you have a good... No, that's, not, that's sloppy grace. Yes. And, sir, I need to go. and not even acknowledging it gives the enemy something to accuse you with. Because he's going to keep putting his finger on that thing. God has covered it. But I think First John is a very difficult book. In, in, <laughs> All in, of John. <laughs> in 5.13, he says this. Because it says the context for the book. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Because there was a heresy that had cropped up. That has said essentially... There was no evil. There was no sin. And therefore, if there was no sin, then you didn't need Jesus Christ. You didn't need salvation. It was uh, Gnosticism. Okay. And so he was writing to the church because a lot of people that have come to believe in Christ were really doubting their spiritual state based on this heresy that had cropped up. Yeah. And they were wondering, now, am I really saved? Is my salvation valid? Yeah. And so that was what John was writing to correct. And so that's the context in which everything that follows should be understood. That he wasn't saying that if you sin, that uh, you are suddenly, the provision that was made on the cross no longer applies to you. He was writing specifically to address a heresy that had cropped up. Yeah, and thank you. And the reason this is important, what got Job in trouble? Do you remember the book of Job? Fear. fear. Job could not sleep. Oh, maybe John did something wrong. I offer sacrifice. Before the kids ever even did anything, he was sacrificing day and night. And do you know that the book of Job is the first book of the Bible? The oldest book. This guy, the enemy wore him out and lived in perpetual fear of not his own righteousness, but his children. Ah, I don't know what they're doing out there in the party. Oh, my goodness. Who knows? Maybe they're smoking dope. Sure. Of a sacrifice. Ah, oh, maybe they're drinking Heineken. Sacrifice. All day, all night. <laughs> yeah. Father, we just want to thank you 
for the liberty that we have in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace upon us. We are not careless. We are not going to be uh, uh, through cares uh, in the world and just say we're going to do anything we want to. No, no. Lord, we want to please you. We want to live worthy of our calling. And so we receive your grace, your enablement. We thank you for your encouragement. Bless your people tonight as they go home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.